You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chompacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Half hour. Welcome to Half Hour, a new podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie Grasso, Artistic Director. And I'm Jeff Malone, Executive Director. We are here to bring you a casual conversation on the shows, films, concerts, and music events that we see and observe throughout our careers. This conversation will feature spoilers, so make sure you have seen or listened to the piece we are discussing. Before continuing on with listening to this episode, you have been warned. Dum dum dum. <laughs> Our fifth episode today is bringing us to a discussion on the new Netflix film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I figured what I would do today is maybe start a little bit with some of the behind-the-scenes background on the piece, as I like to start everyone, so that our audience kind of hears a little bit about where this piece came from and how it started, of right? Of course, set it up. All right, so Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, based on the stage play of the same name. This Netflix film was directed by George C. Wolfe, and the original play is written by August Wilson, who died in 2005. Um, the screenplay is by Ruben Santiago Hudson, and this Netflix film was produced by Denzel Washington, Todd Black, and Danny Wolf. Music by Branford Marsalis. We had an amazing cast in this show, uh, truly exceptional performances across the board. We had the wonderful Viola Davis as Ma Rainey, which we will discuss that, of course, later on. Um, Chadwick Boseman as Levy Green, who died a few months ago in August of 2020, this being his last appearance in a film. Um, we also had Glenn Turman as Toledo, Coleman Domingo as Cutler, Michael Potts as Slow Drag, Taylor Page, Dusty May, and a variety of other performers as well throughout the piece, but they were the leading roles in the show. Um, and I always like to give a little bit of a history of, of this as it started as a play and just so we kind of know where this came from, right? So Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the play, was uh, at the Eugene O'Neill Theater in Waterford, Connecticut in 1982, then went to Yale Rep in 1984 and made its Broadway debut um, in 1984. Um, Teresa Merritt was the original Ma Rainey on Broadway. She died in 1998. There was a 2003 Broadway revival. Whoopi Goldberg played Ma Rainey in oh, the Broadway wow. revival. I yes, did not know that. in 2003. And there's been a variety of performances in, in international as well. Those are the two Broadway productions. Um, and we know that Ma Rainey was an actual actual singer known in the industry as the mother of the blues. 
Um, in she was born in 1886. She died in 1939 at the age of 53 of a heart attack. Born Gertrude Pridget. Hmm. Not born Ma Rainey. <laughs> Stage uh, name. There we go. So there's this. I, I think that's cool that we. She's known as Mother of the Blues, and everyone called her Ma. You know, yeah. I think that's kind of nice that we hear that and see that. And she was really known professionally as Ma Rainey, Mother of the Blues. <laughs> so now we know a little bit about the history of the play and Ma. And um, now we're at this amazing Netflix adaptation. Ad- adaptation. 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 <laughs> Based on the play. <laughs> So, what did, what were your original thoughts across the board here, in just terms of the piece as a whole, the film from beginning, middle, and end? As a whole, I really enjoyed um, watching this get adapted to the film. Um, I, I felt that they did a really great job of actually keeping the play aesthetic mm-hmm. throughout the film. I actually felt like I was watching a play. Mm-hmm. Which is also very nice right now because when was the last time we've seen a play? A real play on stage, right? Now. It's <laughs> like whoa, months. going on ten months here now. <laughs> it's oh, probably going to be a year soon because I don't even know when the yeah. last play we saw in the fall yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really liked. You're watching this and you are like, wow, I see this on the stage happening right now. Of course, it was on a movie set, but like we were like, woo, that was that's cool. The little music intertwined throughout the lines was really working. And they kept it in the same setting the whole time, like you would normally do during a play. Yes. Right? Like, they were in the room, and it wasn't all this other stuff going on. Maybe, like, once or twice they came out of um, that scene. But I just, I I thought they touched on the actual scene great. Mm -hmm. They, They really captured it. And the costumes and the makeup was above and beyond oh yeah yeah brilliant design the scenic design even those few street scenes we had a few of them yeah beautiful beautiful i was like where did they film this yeah yeah i mean it was (laughs) was aesthetically pleasing and the costumes and roth did the costumes brilliant costume designer i mean just seeing the old automobiles and and the dirt roads or Mm -hmm. the cobblestone roads Mm -hmm. and the sweat Mm -hmm. because it was hot you felt that you were in this hot, sweaty room with them. You I was like, turn a fan on. I know, I know. <laughs> you know what's interesting to me, too, as a piece was, I actually don't I, I don't know much about this play. I know of it. I didn't know anything about it until you told me mm, about it, yeah. that this was coming. And I, and I actually assumed that it was just going to be about Ma Rainey. We were going to watch some documentary-style piece about this woman's life, where she was born, how she started her career, blah, 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 till her death. And I thought we would kind of, as a lot of these films tend to do sometimes, right? What I really appreciated was it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I was sitting through a documentary. It was just one day, one moment in, in, this, in this woman's life. And it almost, I actually thought she was going to be in it a lot more. Yeah. And I actually was quite surprised that it wasn't, you know, it's titled Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. We know that that's the name of the song. We know that that Black Bottom dance is the style of dance of the 1920s. There's a lot of meaning behind the title here. But it's also really about these the, these band members and these people as well. So I, I really did appreciate that it wasn't, I learned so much about her it, as well without having to know the beginning the middle and the end and i learned so much about her from just this one day in 1927 in this one recording studio in chicago Illinois. and to touch on that a little bit it's also kind of like what does this song mm-hmm. actually do to each one of these characters mm-hmm. and the blues because, genre as, in a, as a whole too yes but i found that like with marini's black bottom it was specifically around this song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
that each character throughout the play was um, affected. Mm. You know, one character wanting to do it his way. Another character wanting to just do it Ma's way. Mm. Um, the nephew not being able to actually get the lines out, but being part of the song and actually helping him with his stutter along the way. Yeah, yeah. The girlfriend of Ma, very sexualized by this song. Right. And Ma just wanting to do it her way. Mm-hmm. It was Ma's mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And the producer and manager, um, Ivan and... what's How do you say the producer? Uh, Sturdivant. Sturdivant. Wanting to do it their way. Because mm-hmm. they wanted to sell records. Mm-hmm. So I found that very interesting around this song. I was like, oh, it's all... You, when the, it's titled Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, it's really... Is it is it about that? Do you feel that way? Right. I mean, it's interesting because it's it really is about a lot of things other than yes. this one song. And this one song is a symbol of, of that, right? But I also thought what was interesting is at the very end, we and during the credits, we heard the original Ma Rainey singing the original version, which mm-hmm. is what she wanted. Right. That original version. And, and it's like, you have... You know, if you take... The young people of the cast, these characters, the young, as you were saying earlier, um, Taylor Page's character, Dusty May, she wanted to make it sexual. And and um, Levy Green, Chadwick's character, he wanted to make it fast and upbeat. I want to add all this stuff. And the younger generation of people in the room wanted to do X, Y, and Z with it. And she knew what this song was. It was her song. And, and, and the song, and it's a great song. And it was really cool to hear that that's how, actually how it got made, no matter what else was going on. And it's a big thing because sometimes you get artists today that are like, oh, I want to make music for the people. Mm-hmm. And Ma's like, I want to make music for myself because mm-hmm. I know what sells. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of touches that on that in the beginning of the film where she, I don't know where it was taking place in the beginning, but she was performing yep. in mm-hmm. the South mm-hmm. and everyone loved it the mm-hmm. way it was. Mm-hmm. And then she goes to Chicago and it's like, no, we have to do it a different way to sell records mm-hmm. for the white people. Right, right. And and I liked how they were showing those newspaper images in the beginning, showing the the um, traveling of the black community up to the north. The north mm-hmm. was hiring a lot of jobs, and the north. The, you know, we're talking about a time where a lot there was a, a lot of change going on in the northern cities as well. Right. And so she was... she kept saying, and she says it multiple times in the film, I will go back down south and I will keep doing my tour. I will go back down south and I will keep performing in my theaters. You know, actually... Because the... she wanted to perform the way she <laughs> she was performing. Well, right. Not and... change for other people. And it was interesting to actually go, to touch on what you were saying. Like, oh yes, come up here and work, but you're not going to do what you want to do. You're going to be put into factories and you're going to be not in certain areas. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I was looking a lot at Ma Rainey, actual Ma Rainey's career. She had such a successful career. One of the first, I, I don't believe she was the first black female to record, but definitely one of them to be mm. first and, and to be extremely successful of her time too. But she was doing so much in the South. Right before she died, she was running three theaters in Columbus, Georgia. Wow. So she was really busy as an entrepreneur, as a producer, producing her music, producing other acts down in the South. And, and her career is really, really um, amazing. But yes, it, it is interesting to see what happened when they came to Chicago and how this one day, we're talking about a few hours in yeah. one day. We're not talking about a whole, you know, tons of years here. Um, one thing I will say also is um, you saw glimpses and moments of 
racism throughout the piece that were dealt with in in different splattered ways. We had the car accident outside mm-hmm. with the police officer. There was moments filmically which were stunning where they walk in to go get a Coca-Cola and 20 white men turn around and look at them. And then they look back at them. And then they look back at them. And scene. Yeah. Did they buy the Coca-Cola? Okay. Did they have conversation? You know, it leave it, it's this is why I felt like this felt like such an amazing um film based on the play because I felt like I was sitting a play and a lot of times you sit in a play, you make up your own mm-hmm. visuals of what could have what should have what did happen, you know, and, and so we that's what I thought was really, really brilliant about what George C. Wolf did in directing this was took moments and we were seeing little things here and there, but we were also left to our own interpretation. We got it as an audience. We knew, oh gosh, I can only imagine what that was like. Right. There, there, oh, there gosh, didn't have to be that. a conversation for it, you to understand yeah. what was happening. You just saw it and you were like, oh, okay. So it is, it does exist during this time. They weren't trying to eliminate it mm-hmm, and act like mm-hmm, it wasn't there because mm-hmm. um, it was. And, and I think which was also really interesting, too, is when we heard the flashback stories from the band, when the band was in the basement and they were rehearsing, and we, and we see this relationship between these guys, right? And when we hear the stories, um, Levy Green's character has the whole story about his parents and his mother, right? And then we have, the we have um, each of the band members kind of have a moment, they're telling some stories. And, and I what wrote- a moment, I was going to say, what a moment that... As a film, we could have instantly gone to a flashback. We could have had a whole scene played out. We could yeah. have seen it. We could have they could he could have either been narrating it while it was going on, or we could have cut to it. You know, and, and instead it was like, no, I'm I'm listening to text. Yeah. I'm listening to an actor speak text, which is the brilliant August Wilson's text. You know, obviously based you know that's the original play, the screenplay by Ruben Santiago Hudson. But I'm I'm sitting here and I'm saying, wow, I can see this in my head. That's what we do in a play. We see it in our head. We don't immediately black out curtain drops, let's set the scene. We don't have time for that in a play. Right. And it, and the door was wide open for this to have been done in this film, and it wasn't done. And I actually really appreciated mm-hmm. not having flashbacks. I don't know if you feel the same way or not. Oh, I totally do. That's where, I, when I said I felt like I was actually watching a play, it, that's for mm-hmm, that reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The director didn't need to take us out of the moment mm-hmm. and say, okay, here's what you need to see. Mm-hmm. And here's what I'm going to tell you what I see when I mm-hmm. uh, when I create this piece for you. And um, a, a couple of things that we've watched in the past now, we liked having the flashback, the flashback yeah. because the text isn't there for us to go. It's just moving so quickly. Mm-hmm. This is This is just that one moment where you just have to listen and you create that scene. Mm-hmm. And I applaud and they're, and, that. And their acting was brilliant throughout it. I saw, I mean, oh, yes. I, I, especially Chadwick Boseman's performance. I don't know a lot of his work. And I know that he's been in the news because of his death of from cancer in August of 2020. But I'm, I'm just fascinated by this man's performance of this character. He played like young guy, new kid on the block. But in real life, it sounded like he was, I think he mentions his character age is 32. Um, so I was like, I, at one point Around I heard, that. oh, you 32 years on this earth or yes. something like that, right? Um, to paraphrase something that he was saying. And I was like, wow, he played it off like the young guy who has all these cool ideas, but he was all over the room, all over the map in a good way. I was following him. I was I was with him the whole time. He was taking us on this acting masterclass journey. And I was so impressed. I would have loved to have seen him in a stage play or perform live somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so tragic to have seen... Um, 
what has happened to him in, in real life. But his performance here was brilliant. I hope it's Oscar nomination worthy as well as Viola Davis and some other characters too, because I mean, they're just brilliant performances. So while watching this, I wrote down the word trauma mm-hmm. because a lot of the stories that these actors were talking about during the piece was the, the traumas that they have gone through and what keeps them going mm-hmm. or what some of them just put behind them or what, um, they just don't really think about anymore. Mm. So what I found with Levy was his trauma keeps pushing him to keep going farther. Seeing what had happened to his mother when he was younger, he takes that with him. And he wanted to keep growing and growing from that. And he wanted to not listen to what people were saying. He had a very similar character to Ma Mm. because Ma was always like, it's my way it's my way it's my way and he finally wanted to start saying no it's my way too mm-hmm. okay and i thought that something that was very interesting was he kept going over to the door in mm-hmm. the basement mm-hmm. and he couldn't get it open mm-hmm. and then he couldn't get it open mm-hmm. again but there was moments in between so it's not like he just was going over to the door and like turning the handle he was going over and he was trying trying and he it wasn't until was he on the other side yeah yeah and it wasn't until he was extremely angry and Ma fired him from the team that he got the door open. And it was almost like a symbol of like the door that he's trying to push open in, yeah. his, in his life. He's trying to make the music, write the next song, get his band. He says multiple times, I'm going to get a band together. I'm yeah. doing this on my own. And, and, and how many maybe band members of the time or in general, backup singers, band members want to do something like that. And he mm-hmm. goes, and what's out there? It's just an alleyway, an outdoor space. But it was a, it was a, there was no, I, I love the symbolism behind, there was no roof of that. Right. So here he is in this basement and they're down there. They can't even turn the fan on or figure out it's hot. But the breakthrough for him is this no roof. There's no, he'll break mm-hmm. the ceiling, the symbolism behind that, right? He's got an, he's got an escape, right? So yeah, yeah really cool. And, and also speaking of symbolism, I, I'm going into my theater brain here with all my symbolism and things like that. I, I, the shoes are such a symbol, right? Mm-hmm. He gets the shoes. He loves the shoes. He's proud of the shoes. He can afford the shoes. People step on the shoes. People yeah. knock into the shoes. They're accidents, but look what happens. It was an accident that led to literally a character dying. Yeah. I mean, because what does the shoes represent? The shoes represent his happiness. The shoes represent his pride. Something new. The shoes could he's young. He's new. Looking like he is wealthy, right, or successful. Yeah. And so someone stepping does on and ruining in, it. Yeah. Really, really, really. I mean, to to kill someone. I mean, he almost killed someone earlier with the knife scene earlier, but then later on does kill someone in the band. So it's like, oh my gosh. Wow. Well, you know, yeah, because literally the shoes are his dream getting stepped on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's getting these shoes with his dream. He's moving along. He's climbing the ladder. And then someone just said, nope. Mm-hmm. And in An multiple accident. ways, because Ma yeah. fired him. So yeah. dream number yeah. one crush. Mm-hmm. And then shoes number mm-hmm. two. Oh, okay. Now you're stepping on my... Or when Cutler earlier says, we're not doing it your way. Okay, it's just like, how many times can you beat well, him down? Well, then at the end, Sturdivant saying, oh, we don't, the, your music's not really what we're looking for right now. We just want Ma, we just want Ma. And he, I'll give you a few bucks for the song, you know? And then yeah. and then I was like, I I just knew the whole time I had him like, no, 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 no. Like, this is, ah, it's killing me because you know he took the song. I mean, this is out of time. And Jeff, I, I want to, I, this kind of segues into what I, I know you can talk about this a lot too. We're dealing with, obviously, this being 
based on a play and this is a play and this is a period of time it's dealing with so many things but there is this you know the recording music industry start i mean mm-hmm. this is a time where look at the way they were showing us in some of some of that cinematography how you make a record yeah how you literally record in a recording studio that you have to board up windows just to keep sound out and open them again because it's hot no air conditioning the oh, when the record doesn't work they need another take it the record's literally thrown out right. you know and this is so we're seeing that and the start of it but we're also seeing Wait a second, no one signs a contract before we walk into this room together? He handed, uh, um, Levy at the end hands his song to the guy, and, and the guy just takes the song. I, I mean, these things today, we're talking about almost 100 years later, right? But these things today, I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, what? Don't know. I remember him <laughs> giving the song in the beginning, we like, no, 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 I know something's going to happen with this. He takes the song, There's he maybe he got paid a couple bucks for it, but look how it ends. Like, I, I kept thinking in this, and then I want I want to go back to talking about the recording industry, but I just want to say the ending. You know, it's so interesting to me that it ended the way it did because I'm thinking, how does this end? Does she just get in the car and drive away? I'm I'm thinking, is she going to sign it? She does, okay. Which is another thing. Like I can't believe she didn't sign that mm-hmm. in the studio. You know, so all these things happening the way they do. It's a new industry. They're figuring out how this industry works, yeah. right? Uh, at least recording music's always been around, but to record. But then at the end. We see this all-white band performing the song, and it ends there. And I was like, ah! I was like, what? it ended, <laughs> frozen on them. And then it ends on, really, the credits with the real photos yeah. of Ma Rainey and the real song. And I'm actually glad that it really ended with the credits like that. But I was well, just like... Well, in the credits. In the film. In you, the actual film. you could see film. my face right now, I'm cringing. Oh, I know. I was so <laughs> upset with that. But Cringing. Maybe that's a moment. Maybe it's an, a, a moment for us to see, look what really well, happened. And this was only one of probably many examples Well, it is a moment. And it's and a it's moment so that needs sad. to be had because it probably did happen like that. Yeah. We already know that it happened like yeah. that. And that's just something, you know, in industry in general, so many times people just take mm-hmm. and they figure out a way to get what they want. Here we go. Back to what we're talking about. The producer, Sturdivant, wanted those songs. He didn't want to pay for them. He didn't want Levy to perform them. He knew that he could get someone else to do it. And that would probably sell more records. Because at the time, it was a very racist country. Mm -hmm. So that's what he did. It's not right. Mm -hmm. I'm not for it. It's just, and it makes me cringe watching that. Because it's like, there's no style. It's terrible when you see this band of all white men just performing it and it's like oh yeah there's no soul and blue yeah it's just you know and it makes it it really just make me think today too like someone has told me like don't take a meeting with someone unless you have a contract Mm -hmm. or don't take a meeting unless um there's a check at the end Mm -hmm. because someone's gonna take that meeting with you and they're gonna take your idea and they're gonna run and they're Mm -hmm. gonna do it with someone who's probably a lot cheaper Mm -hmm. and a lot who will just do it the way they want to do it. Mm. You get some bright eyed, bushy, bushy tailed person in and say, I'll do it for you know, $20. Well, great. That's what they do. So mm. I, I think there's a lot of lessons to be had in this piece because it's like, learn from your mistakes mm. and the people that don't learn from their mistakes. Look what happens. But you know, what's also interesting to me and I, and I found like they were hitting on this throughout too. I think the producers expected 
this this I mean, Ma Rainey at the time famous down south. They mm-hmm. knew it. She was coming up to record. This was a big name person of the time, and we didn't have cell phones and internet and emails to instantly spread someone's name as we do now. But you know, through word of mouth and newspapers and, and reviews. Okay, so here she comes, and I, and I kept saying the producers multiple times, saying, "Well, where is she? Where is he? Wait, you're not all together? Like you you don't yeah. all travel together at once and show up to it." And there was this individualization happening throughout the piece. Well, where is he? Oh, he's upstairs. Well, let's take a break. This one goes. Every it's there was no like co- cohesive unity. I felt due to the band there was. Ma seemed separate at times with the nephew and the girlfriend, right? And then when it was done, everyone was just kind of packing up and doing their own thing. There was this sense of like he kept saying like, you know, oh well, don't you all? Didn't you all talk about? It? Like there was there were communication issues throughout the piece. What version of the song are we doing? Oh, this one. Oh, not this one. No, it's her. Wait, you didn't talk to... Where is she, by the way? Well, She's late. Was... And there was this whole, oh, this communication issue going on throughout. I felt like that was like underlying throughout the first half of the... Kind film. of. I mean, Ma Rainey didn't really have a band. Well, Ma right. Rainey was in the artist. Right. And the band just Backed was, was playing the and, music. And was hired to come in and play it. Right. And something that you're still kind of learning, too, is the producer picks the song selection well yes 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 it's I'm very th- different yes, than it's different than theater producer yes, yes, than yeah. right the right, music right, producer right. so that's why when he gives the manager um the song list mm-hmm. he's saying okay mm-hmm. here's the list this is what they're doing mm-hmm. these are the songs that yeah, we're going to record yeah. and ta-da. I'm, lear- I'm learning that because i'm learning a lot about the music industry and in some of these films like this and especially back then i mean a lot of the how many times do we see the music industry um, stories around the 40s and the 50s mm-hmm. and the, into the 60s. We've seen like, you know, Carol King's Beautiful on stage. We've seen some of these people and you see how the industry works when it was like then. But the golden age of it, as I guess they would say. But you, it was really starting here in the 20s. And when you see the start of it, I think there was just, of course, there's so many things going on in this piece. But when you just see the do's and don'ts, the rights and wrongs, and the systemic racism as well as the literal racism here. Mm-hmm. We have two white guys telling the, and and then Ma Rainey has that moment. She's like, "No, I am going. I am going yeah. to fight for myself here. I am. I nothing gets done until I get." And then the coke scene, right? She yeah. needed the coke. That's just was what she asked for, mm-hmm. and there was no respect for her throughout so much of it. And she was fighting for that. Oh no! And you see it from the beginning when he's like, "She should be grateful for this," and she turns it around and she says. You should be grateful mm-hmm. that I am mm-hmm. here recording mm-hmm. here because I can go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And she, I mean, in looking at her career, she she did. She went to yeah. a lot of places and recorded a lot of music. She had a really, I mean, for for passing away, Ma, the, the real Ma Rainey I'm talking about, in, at 53 years old, the career that she had up till she was 53 was really amazing. Well, and she, I, it, people need to look back and look at this. I didn't really know much about her, but mm-hmm. look at mm-hmm. how much that she did to pave the way. You know, fighting for your rights as an artist. Mm-hmm. So important. And I and I also think there's this underlying theme as well of blues music. What did the music mean? When they were playing those instruments and singing, I saw, the, I felt the soul, the emotion. I believe uh, Viola Davis's character at one point says... Um, this is my escape, but this is the way we, I wake up in the morning and I, you know, and the, what the music is. And then you hear the real stories of the real days. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the things that people don't see or hear in a recording, the, 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 the meat and potatoes of their life. And then 
they, they like when when the um nephew had the issue with the stutter and when he got it right they were like oh and then they just played the song it was like, like it's an instant they were oh. like he did it and yeah and their <laughs> music was their escape and all of them very different but oh, and yeah. why did they keep doing it because they knew that it was something that they needed the blues music that the instrument they were playing they loved the voice whatever they were doing they were themselves playing and they found felt that joy when when a song would end a couple of times they were recorded they were all congratulating they, there's that instant joy when a song's over what is an audience do we applaud right what is the, what is a performer to let out that sigh of relief and, and congratulate their team and you know so i i liked seeing the unity it was seemed to be like the one of the few times we only really saw unity was through music yeah. it was when we really saw everyone coming together was the start and the stopping music there you know and i really really appreciate it do you think that Levy killing Toledo at the end symbolized anything? Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, when it happened, I was, I think I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I, <laughs> I really wasn't too. expecting that. And what I also was found interesting was the other band members didn't run over, didn't say, what are you doing? Stop. Didn't pull them away. It was interesting how like that was, they just stood there. Yeah. And earlier there was a punch thrown. People were shouting, stop, stop, stop. For him to do that, it wasn't even about, and he felt like he couldn't believe he did that. Yeah. There was definitely a symbolism there because it was like, it was a, it was about the shoes, but it wasn't about the shoes. It was about so much more. It was like the older generation not listening to him. Mm-hmm. It was other people not listening to him. It was other people not believing in him. It was a symbol of destroying or killing some sort of a past, I think. Mm. Not literally that character that he killed, but it was, and then he realized, oh my God, what do they do? Mm. You know, and then, and that, and then that go, and I think we went from there to like the white band playing the song. I was like, oh my God, like yeah, this it, was so sad. It was just, oh my God. Because you don't know what happens now. Right? And you want to know. Did the police show up? Did they leave? Did, Did the they other bring two bad members not go near them and touch them because they didn't want to be part of it? Because obviously Yeah, it's he like was... a murder now. I mean, did, did Ma ever find this out? Did she ever work at that band again? I mean, it leaves the interpretation up to the audience, which is always what I think a good play does. Leave us thinking. Leave well, us she talking was, like this. And she was leaving and she was in the car and it's almost like she's leaving that and it's going to be in the past. Mm-hmm. I would love to know if anything ever happened after mm-hmm. with her and mm-hmm. that manager and producer right. again. And and talking about Ma again, Viola Davis, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of everything she does. Brilliant performer. Every time I see her name, when I saw she was playing this, I'm like, of course she is. She's going to be amazing. And yeah. I mean, she's doing these amazing pieces and she's just a brilliant performer. I hope she's Oscar nominated oh. as well for this because I didn't find that I was, I didn't find that I was watching Viola Davis up there. No, I really I, didn't. She really embodies the whole She character. changes the way she speaks. She changes the way she looks and moves and breathes and oh, everything yeah. she does. I'm like, commitment to a role. Mind is blown. Oh, oh, there, there it is. is. It's time to wrap it up. Well, this was really, really amazing. To, I hope you all have had a chance to check this out. This was a, a wonderful piece. If you and, haven't, go check it out. Watch it tonight. Watch it tomorrow. Yeah. Watch it we have some spoilers day. here. Throughout, so hopefully you watch them before you listen. <laughs> yeah. um, and we've really been enjoying As you can hear every week on our podcast, every episode, I should say, we um, have a very different piece that we're bringing here. And, and this was just really great to talk about this this week so yes yeah so let us know what you thought about the piece we would love to have a conversation with you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Comment. subscribe to this podcast yes please we'll have a new episode every friday at 3 p.m we're hoping the, every friday at three yeah. yeah so thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed we hope you continue to listen to our podcast in the future please make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel for the latest 
um, updates on our podcast and other awesome content we put there as well. And please make sure that you follow Two Worlds Entertainment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Signing off for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.